Hey everybody and welcome to Listening at the Orange Door. I hope you're all keeping safe and well in these very strange and uncertain times. Um, as you may know, Listening at the Orange Door is a podcast in which we learn about the mental health and empathy of a variety of professionals. Now today we've spoken to a paramedic, an engineer, even a musical theatre performer, but in today's episode we speak with James Page, an, an emergency department nurse. Now, we taped this a couple of weeks ago before the coronavirus made the news and impacted all of our lives. And I think there are some really great tips for everyone in there in these really confusing times about the importance of prioritizing the mental health of our nurses and doctors, as well as the fact that empathy is a two-way street. And as much as we expect empathy and respect from our medical professionals, it's also vital that we understand and respect the humanness of those who take care of us when we're at our most vulnerable. Um, I really want to take this moment to thank all of the medical professionals out there taking care of everybody and acknowledge the enormous pressure of the situation and sacrifices that they're all making for the health um, of the community. As you would know, working from home isn't an option for our emergency and medical staff. I really encourage you to listen to today's episode with an open heart and learn how we can all support our medical teams to get us through this as best we can. Um, we really need everybody to come out of this uh, crisis relatively unscathed at the other end. Today's episode of Listening at the Orange Door is with James Page, Emergency Department Nurse. My name's Leanne Butterworth and I thank you for joining me. Hello James Page, how are you today? Are you good? Yes, I am well. I'm well. Welcome, welcome. Oh, it is my pleasure. So, James, today the topic of conversation is empathy and nursing. So, empathy and mental health in nursing. Um, I actually realised I don't know that many nurses. So, I'm really looking forward to this chat. I'm really looking forward to learning about what's happening in the nursing space. Hey, um, so let's kick it off. Do you want to give us a bit of a bio, who you are, what you do, and why you are the best person today to talk about Empathy and mental health in nursing. Yeah. So I'm uh, Jamie. I obviously work as a nurse. I've worked as a nurse for the past decade or the best part, part of the last decade. Um, worked in lots of different areas. So I've worked in the wards, um, in intensive care, and uh, more recently I've just moved to the sort of emergency department setting. So for the last few years I've been in the uh, critical care sort of area. So I got into nursing because of, I, I think really um, the best answer for that question is probably because I was attracted to the idea of, you know, forming relationships, building trusting relationships with people um, and being able to provide support to people in difficult hours is probably, you know, the best way to explain or to justify the reason that I got into nursing. And I think that's a very common answer across the board. Um, nursing is, it's a very, it's an interesting career. You can have, you can do a lot with it. There's a lot of variety um, within nursing in itself. And I've found over the course of my career that, you know, jobs or different areas can be entirely different um, from one another so you can have a very different experience working in a ward as you can working in an intensive care environment as you can working in an ED um, and within those different environments there's, there's a, a really wide variety of different roles um, that you can sort of participate in so I think I, uh, I think I wanted uh, a lot of scope for um, keeping things fresh and for travel and for sort of you know getting out amongst the world and doing some interesting things. I think that's kind of what I, what brought me into nursing. And I think that's probably one of the things I love about it as well, is that there's a lot of um, scope for doing new things. Um, uh, there's a lot of scope for contributing on different levels. And I really appreciate that about the job. Yeah, wow. So did you go straight from school to uni to nursing? Was this your yeah. path? Yeah, this was my path. And uh, I mean, you know, I, it wasn't, I don't think it was particularly well planned out from, from the, you know, from the beginning, but uh, I did, I went straight from school um, to uni and I did a, I did a couple of um, 
you know, I did the three-year degree at uni um, over a couple of extra years. I went, I went, I went traveling to Africa when I was after my first year or so, and did about and did a couple of months over there and volunteered in an orphanage oh, over wow. there. And, yeah, had a really great experience doing that, and I think actually that was possibly one of the um, catalysts for making me kind of continue with the with the degree. Is I met some met some doctors working for Medicines on Frontier over there. Yep and had some great conversations with them, really, really inspiring, um, you know, interactions. Um, and I think, yeah, that was one of the big catalysts that made me keep going with the career. What was it you found inspiring? What were they doing? What was appealing is just that there's no ceiling to the level of knowledge that you can possess in healthcare. Yeah. So you can really, like, you can go... And there's so many different areas of expertise that you can kind of venture into. And I think that was one of the big things that I realized while I was over there was just, you know, there's the, a lot of the doctors that I was talking to that were working for Medicines on Frontier or on placements from different universities even or different hospitals um, in, from the UK, a lot of them were. And they were still, you know, they were still training. They are incredibly knowledgeable. To me at the time, I thought they just knew everything about everything <laughs> that they a lot of the conversations I had about them with them was about the level of knowledge that they didn't have. And I think that was, again, something that really drew me to healthcare was that there's just, you know, it's constantly evolving industry and, and you know, we're constantly redesigning the process. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that was definitely one of the things that really sort of drew me in, if you like. So then what were your perceptions of nursing when you were at school? Like, because you don't, I mean, I, I yeah. graduated a long time before you did, um, I'm yeah. guessing. But my perception of nursing was very female-oriented. Um, yeah, true. But we weren't really sold nursing. Were you sold nursing when you were No, just- I don't think I was. I don't know what, I don't know what made me decide, you know, I don't think I was sold nursing. I think, you know, in a funny way, and I'd say, you know, a lot of people would relate to this, that Scrubs was a big, you know, <laughs> um, it was a good uh, introduction into the industry. And I think yeah. Scrubs is one of those awesome shows and I still love it so much because it is. I really do think it's a very honest portrayal of kind of some of the interactions that can take place in within a sort of hospital environment. Um, I mean, they obviously use a lot of creative license to make it very <laughs> silly and, uh, you know, and, and they dramatise things. But but most of the stories within Scrubs yeah. throughout, you know, all of the seasons, a lot of them, I mean, I, I remember especially in my first few years of nursing, just being like re-watching Scrubs and being like, man, they were they were spot on. And you can tell that a lot of the stories that they come up with are just based on, based around um difficult interactions or you know funny relationships in between in you know in amongst the hospital environment yeah I think I think they really captured that sort of very very well um and I I wouldn't like to say that's the only reason that I decided to come (laughs) in there I'm sure it's not and I think if if it was I'm sure I would have done medicine instead (laughs) do you get asked that a lot why you did nursing not medicine uh yeah I do um which and that's a funny, you know, that's an interesting topic. I, I I don't see that they're the same, like obviously very much the same industry, um, but very different careers. Yeah, I, I do. And I don't know, I hope that's nothing to do with, you know, my gender. I would like to think that, that yeah. you know, and I mean, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, it probably is in a sense. I do get a lot of comments about, you know, why did you become a nurse and not a doctor, which is, which I, you know, I take, I don't take objection to it. It doesn't upset me, but it's a, it's, it is a funny, there's definitely still a stigma attached to men being in nursing. And I'd like to definitely like to uh, affect that a bit over the course of my career. It's just to try and champion it a bit more because it's, there's no good reason, you know, there's other than historically, um, you know, there's no good reason why it should be a female dominated industry or career. it's uh, it's perfectly suited to, you know, anyone, anyone that wants to be involved in it. It's perfectly suited to anyone. And I think that's obviously the same across the board in many other careers as well, that we've sort of historically developed a, you know, a stigma surrounding um, gender within roles. But, but 
I think it's quite obvious from a nurse in a nursing um, from a nursing point of view, and I I would like to see that shift a bit because I think guys are just as you know important to the to the to the sort of makeup of the industry as as obviously the girls are. That's a really tricky topic to unpack, yeah. um, and I'm sure a lot of women doctors get the same you know very similar kind of questions of you know asking if that if they could if the patient could see a doctor and not a nurse and and they're actually standing there as the doctor and I think that yeah. does happen quite frequently as well so it is funny the sort of societal constructs that go on within the uh, hospital walls and it's really uh, it's a complicated issue and one that I mean you know obviously um yeah it's it's a tricky one to tackle because you would think that that would, those, like you said, those sexist constructs that exist just, and a lot of people don't even realise that they have them. Um, it's just sort of how it is. But you would think that that would add to the stress in some way because you would feel like you've got a, like a female doctor, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you would feel like you've got to not only justify yep. your knowledge, but your presence there in the first place instead of, your position being of value in and of itself so that would add a level of complexity so the same as a a male nurse being asked questions we're like that's so irrelevant yeah yeah for sure and you would think male midwives I mean I had a student male midwife when I had my babies imagine the questions they must yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Hey, yeah, it is funny how you know we've, we've I'm sure we've come a long way um, as a society in 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 this kind of you know in this area. But it's it is quite amazing how uh, how common it still is to have you know. I mean, and it's kind of a lot of time. It's probably innocent. You know, it's not. Uh, it's just yeah. It's just the sort of the way that we. I guess it's the historical nature of the actual industry as well as just some of the societal constructs that we have. But, I mean, I, I often get uh, mistaken for, for a doctor. They, you know, often refer to me as a doctor and I sort of have to constantly be correcting people. Do you ever find people use the word just? No, no, I'm just the nurse. Have, like, is that something that yeah, very you've common, got to fight yeah. against? Yeah, uh, it's very common. Um, and I think... Uh, uh, what's the word? Imposter syndrome is a yeah. is a really, really, really common thing going on for nurses for sure. And then, I mean, that's across the board. Uh, you you see that in every industry. Um, but yes, I do think that that's a very common um, term. Just a nurse is very common. And and to be honest, I find myself you you know saying that from time to time, um, accidentally as a slip of the tongue. You know, you sort of catch yourself and because <laughs> it's yeah. What are the implications of referring to yourself or your profession as just a nurse? Like, I mean, referring to yourself as just a nurse, there's a lot of implications for that, I think. Like, you know, you develop a bit of a sense of, I don't want to say inferiority complex. Yeah. Um, because, because I don't think it's that much of a problem. I think a lot of, I think most nurses, and I'd say, you know, 99% of nurses are all pretty comfortable with the job that they do. And they're pretty, yeah. pretty happy with, you know, the, the, the career that they've chosen. Yeah. Um, but there is, I mean, it's a high, you know, health, health is sort of built around a, a little bit of a hierarchy and it has to be in a sense, because you've got people, you know, making, um, making decisions and there's a flow down from there. So there's, yeah. there's obviously people making big decisions and then there's people carrying out actions and, and a lot of the time, you know, traditionally nurses on the floor are less involved and I say less involved because we certainly are still very involved but we're less involved in decision making than um, you know the doctors are uh, expected to be and so in that way you know you I guess yeah the the inferiority is is a is something that people certainly experience I don't know if it's a massive issue like I said I think the majority of nursing staff are all pretty comfortable with the fact that they're nurses but I know for myself you know there's been plenty of moments where I've wondered whether I you know should go on to um you know have a have a change and go and sort of do some further study in other areas um but I think there's like I said the beauty about 
nursing is that there are there is a lot of um, variety. So you can yeah. you can if you find yourself stuck somewhere, you can always move on to the next thing. You can always sort of experience the next thing, and that's what I've tended to do over the course of my career is, you know, look for the next challenge. So, yeah, because you use my other favourite word is should, um, should and just <laughs> my two favourite words. So tell me a little bit about where you're working at the moment. So what your role is at the moment and what, because if we start looking at the empathy and mental health space there, what do you do at the moment and what is the stresses of those jobs, of that role? Um, so I work in a busy emergency department. Um, it's a public emergency department. Um, and it is, you know, renowned for being pretty under pressure in terms of time pressures, uh, access to hospital, you know, we, we end up being quite overcrowded, which I think is a very common and probably a global issue at the moment is overcrowding in the emergency department. I think there's a lot of research that's being done into sort of ways to sort of tackle that issue. Uh, yeah, high, yeah, highly stressful, can be highly volatile. Um, so there's there's plenty of moments when you're sitting at the desk and you're trying to think about what your next, you know, course of action is, or you're trying to think about a difficult, you know, um, problem that you're trying to solve, and you've got screaming going on within the department. You know, s screaming, shouting, very, very loud can be can be high tension, um, and very high paced, so fast paced. Um, generally, the work you do is is fast in nature so you've got to get people in you've got to see them quickly you've got to treat them quickly and you've got to move them quickly is generally the goal so there's all sorts of pressures um that surround that um you know pressures from a customer service almost point of view where you've got people that are that have come in they are having possibly one of the you know worst days of their uh you know possibly one of the worst days of their life and they're they're they have a perception of what they're experiencing and then you've got the staff within the department who are experiencing a very different um, angle of, of what's happening in that sort of, you know, reality at the time. So um, there's a lot of, you know, in terms of the stresses that go on from, from a... Um, from a clinician's point of view within an ED, there's, there's a, it's multifactorial and it's, you know, it's quite um, complicated. Um, there's a lot of things that contribute to that pressure. Um, but it's also, in, you know, you can say all that and it's true that it's actually also really fun. So you've got high energy, um, you've got adrenaline. If you're, if you're not opposed to that kind of environment, then, it can be a really exciting and really fun place to work. So lots of pressures, lots of stresses, um, but also can, because of the nature of the environment, I think you can, you can, if you've got the right team, you can build really strong morale and you can have people working together really, really well. And it's quite exciting to, to take part in. Yeah, absolutely. So you said that part of the stress of the job and stress doesn't always have to be a bad thing. So like you just said, stress can be a very, very good thing because you're running on adrenaline, you've got things to do and with the right team, it can be quite fun. So if we look at the empathy space, if you've got to get people through quickly because of overcrowding and because of people need to be seen really quickly, what's the empathy like? Because you would, in my mind, you would have a different level of empathy, let's say aged care nursing to emergency department nursing. How do you, where does empathy play in um, for patients that potentially you only see very briefly, but your level of empathy would have a huge impact on that patient? So, um, yeah, really interesting topic, really. Um, empathy in the emergency department is oh, it's a challenging you know beast <laughs> it's um and i really want to i want to like i want to represent it's a, it's a tricky angle because i want to make sure that i represent you know the general um intentions of uh, nurses really well but i also want to make sure that i speak relatively candidly because it's you know as you can imagine, and I think what you're alluding to is that an environment like that, it is really difficult to keep up an empathetic angle uh, 
in what you're doing. So it is, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a very high paced environment. You're, it's um, highly emotionally sort of charged and you're often dealing with whatever's right in front of your face at the time. So you can't really look too much further ahead. You sort of, you know, it is quite reactive and you have to prioritise and you have to deal with what whatever the highest priority at the time is. So it can be quite difficult to maintain empathy for everyone that comes through the doors. And, and I'd say everyone that comes through the doors of an emergency department is worthy of a large degree of empathy and compassion. You know, whether they've come in... Um, for having a heart attack or whether they've come in with a, you know, with, with, with something far less, uh, you know, urgent that needs to be treated, you, you still, they're there for a reason and um, they're there um, to be treated and, and to be treated with obviously with respect and with compassion. So it's, it can be difficult to, it can be just, it's emotionally exhausting, I guess, to, to maintain the same, level of empathy for everything everyone that walks through the door often you can do it for a day or two at a time but when you get to your third or fourth it gets harder and harder um especially when you throw night shifts in there as well yeah yeah absolutely all of these things there are so many factors that 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 play into the fact that it's it's a really challenging um you know job to have um so do you think that the public understand that? Do you think because if I go to the ER with my kid, which I never have, yeah. touch wood. Yeah, touch wood. <laughs> but not only would you need to have, or would I expect from my little bubble, because everybody lives in a bubble. Yeah. I would expect utmost compassion not only for my kid, but for me as well as the mother who's flipping her lid because yeah. something has happened to my child. I'm not used to it. But do you think there is that level of understanding of the life of an, an ER nurse and ER, ED, um, nurse and yeah, doctor? Everyone. Like how um, does, I, how does yeah. that play in? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, I think generally, you know, you've got to, there's, there's all, there's a big, what's the word? There's a, there's a, a variant degree for, for obviously, you know, um, people's understanding of what's going on within the walls of the emergency department. Um, I think generally people are pretty understanding of the fact that, you know, we're under pressure, we're in high intensity situations. And, you know, I think I'd like to think generally that the general public sort of does understand that, but it is there. Yeah. You, you'd like to, You'd like to see what I would really like to see is a heightened understanding of exactly that, um, and and probably that comes down to it. I mean, it comes back to education and and um, to an extent, sort of health literacy. So people's understanding of what it actually means to be sick. So, Mike, I guess my next question then is: you said that the nature of the department that you work in can affect the stress levels. And sometimes it can actually be really fun to work in an ED if you've got a good team and a good culture. So Mm. how do you, how do you foster a good sort of mental health culture or a good team so that the stress, the negative stress doesn't overwhelm you and that doesn't take it over and that you can still be in a high stress environment and, have it be fun and not have it have a negative impact on your life, mental health, well-being. As a yeah, well, I mean, culture is so important in in healthcare, and uh, I'm sure it's the same in every industry. Yeah, culture is also a very complicated uh, topic. It's it's difficult to um, create positive culture. It's very difficult to create positive culture. I happen to work in a workplace that has an incredible culture, um, um, which I'm really really grateful for because I've been you know it's culture is something that I not only enjoy to be a part of but also really enjoy to observe um, as as you know I I really enjoy to sort of uh, I really enjoy seeing how that culture comes about and. Um, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly how to how to create it, but it, I think it comes from, you know, supportive leadership, um, 
and relational transparency in those leadership roles. What are you encouraged to do to, like, are you encouraged to do things? Is there certain things in that culture that as an individual you're encouraged to do to continue that positive culture? I think, I think any workplace that can identify where people are willing to go above and beyond. So I think generally most workplaces have um, uh, quite a large percentage of people who are willing to go above and beyond. It's about identifying those people and giving them the um, capability to do that by encouraging you know them to sort of you know put their hand up and, and, and get it done. And that means you know providing an environment where people feel supported and ultimately you know where people feel empowered to put their hand up and make a difference and that is i think that that is one of you know and i can't speak to this on a you know on a level that's any higher than what i understand of it but yeah. um but i think having a having a an environment where people are sort of encouraged and empowered to um to sort of offer as much of themselves as they're able to give or allow or, or you know, willing to give is is pretty crucial with, with in creating um, good culture. And interestingly, many of the workplaces I've worked for have just not been able to to sort of get that right. A lot of the time, there's a there's a sense that um, you know when people are willing to give you know spare time to sort of you know create uh, to to helping you know in, introduce quality improvements and you know make make sort of novel things and sort of innovation happen in the workplace i think a lot of the time it's just not supported on the level that it that it possibly could be um and i think that just comes from you know it's a i'd like i'd hate to say that it's all top down but a lot of mm. it comes from leadership and it comes from people being able to you know a leader or a number of leaders being supportive and fostering that kind of enthusiasm yeah absolutely and i i don't think that's um i don't think that's unique to nursing because what no. you've just said is in order to have a good culture of the team and for them to be able to operate optimally and to do their job and have fun and be effective and you would assume that a team that does that then has better patient outcomes because you are more um engaged with what it is that you're doing you're less stressed you're better able to bring your whole self to work and to your patients and to your colleagues in order to achieve that you need a leadership team who is um, supportive and transparent but in order to be supportive and transparent they have to have a full understanding and empathy for what it is that you guys do do you notice a difference between the because in order for leaders to be transparent and um, supportive, they would have to know you as people. What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then, do you find that the leaders who have empathy for you and your role and get to know that are they? Are, do you find leaders sort of tend to come and be amongst you as opposed to being in an ivory tower? Yeah, I, I think again. You're, you're spot on and I agree that that's probably I mean it's not unique to um, you know the nursing environment but that's very true is that when there's a when there's a disconnect between sort of what's going on on a sort of I don't know broader organizational scale and more what's happening on the floor then things can become you know misconstrued and misunderstood so I, I do think that there is a, there is obviously a pivotal role from leadership within organisations to make sure that they do understand, intimately understand what's going on um, at the front line and what happens on the, on the floor. So they really understand where the sort of pressure points are and barriers for, for initiating good culture is. Yeah. So what's happening in the mental health space? Like, do the, do the words, the mental health of nurses, is that something that is thrown around at the moment? Is it a priority? Are there strategies? Because you would, think or I would think you guys have a whole lot of stress which you've said you would notice stressing colleagues and have those conversations but what is it that helps you guys debrief at the end of the day or 
maintain your mental health so you can bring your best self to work and to your patients? Yeah, I think I think this is a it's a growing conversation. Um, I think it's it's not there yet. I th- I, I definitely think it's it's developing, um, but I, I I also think there is a long way to go. Interestingly, I find that uh, health practitioners in general are not particularly good at looking after themselves. <laughs> mm. Not from necessarily from a health point of view, but but certainly from a mental health point of view. And you see that with, you know, you, you hear a lot about, and I can't speak to the numbers directly, and I, yep. I, haven't, I haven't read any of these journal articles recently, but you hear a lot about high suicide levels in doctors and young doctors, um, a lot of mental health, uh, you know, issues in nurses. And while we're great at, like I said, we're, you know, we, we tend to, and I think it's partly due to the nature of the professions that you tend to sort of, you know, put other people ahead of yourself. Um, we work in high pressure environments. We work shift work where we're, you know, constantly changing our circadian rhythms. Um, and we've got a, a number of problems that lead to poor mental health, but we're not, I don't, there, there are, there's support networks out there, but I don't know if it's, you know, I, I, I'd like to see more go on in that space. What um, sort of things thing would I've, help? Yeah, well, I mean, one thing I've certainly noticed is that we're really good at, researching patient outcomes and we're, we're great at researching you know uh, mental health outcomes for patients and you know how to how to best sort of uh, tackle that from that issue but I think we're not particularly good at actually researching these sorts of issues from a clinician point of view so mm. I, I I've done a bit of you know I wouldn't say I mean it's I've done a pretty wide literature search on um, trying to understand uh, the well-being of clinicians um, from the point of view, I mean, my particular point of view is whether whether identifying patient outcomes a bit more clearly uh, was going to help the general well-being of, of, you know, ED clinicians and ICU clinicians and really difficult to find any, you know, empirical evidence to suggest, well, the most, I guess the most relevant to this conversation is it's very difficult to find much in the way of you know uh, literary sort of um, you know write-ups around clinician well-being it's definitely begin beginning to uh, become more of a hot topic if mm-hmm. if you like if I could sort of trivialize it a bit but I think uh, I think it's something that should be and I, I believe it is on the growing agenda but I think it should be um, continuing to sort of develop is there anything practical that you can see sort of happening in hospitals at the moment? Because I've heard of um, certain junior doctors not being allowed to do more than a number of hours or having to take breaks or um, having support services. So is there any of that that you experience um, as, an ED doc- as an ED nurse? Sorry, I think every... The way we run our hospital system, every HHS, every hospital has their own sort of independent governance. So every department, every hospital has very unique sets of, of you know, um, uh, the way that they govern these sorts of issues. Um, I mean, generally across the board, obviously, most hospitals are sort of on, on a similar path, but um, there are always different sort of uh, angles within each different HHS. I, I, I know of... Uh, a fair bit of work being done in the well-being space within emergency departments um, in Queensland, um, and I don't—I can't say. I mean, I'm taking part in my own sort of, you know, uh, quality improvement initiatives through the place that I work. But there are, there is a um, a broader governance that's going on surrounding well-being in ED clinicians, which I think is really positive. I'm not sure exactly where they're up to. I'd like to get across that a little bit better, but I, I do know of these sorts of. Um, you know, uh, initiatives going on sort of behind the scenes. Um, definitely a little bit more in the way of just social awareness of what it what it is to be a shift worker and what it is to be, to work in these sorts of environments. I, like I said, I still think that there's a lot of work to be done um, in terms of what we expect from our doctors and our nurses and, and you know, uh, and how we approach this, this topic. Uh, I really do think that we could be a lot better at looking after each other's mental health um, I still think it's a little bit of a taboo topic to be discussed, and I, and I still think that there's not like 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 you said. I think there's 
a lot of work that could be done in terms of real um, practical initiatives that are sort of going on to help in this area. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to think from the top of my head if I can think of any really good examples, but I guess the fact that I'm sort of struggling probably shows <laughs> that there's a whole lot going on in that area. There is, like I said, the conversation is starting to have, happen and there's probably a lot of initiatives that I'm not fully aware of. Um, I, I obviously... I don't think of myself as a as a as an expert in this exact field, but I um I would like to think that that, that conversation is developing. Um, yeah. but there is a lot of work to be done. But even still, I mean, in my mind, you wouldn't have to be the expert in the field, but as a beneficiary of a systemic um, approach towards mental health and well-being of nurses, as the beneficiary. If yeah. you are sort of struggling to go, you know what, oh, man, what is it that I, how is it that I'm supported by the system, that in of itself may be quite um, telling. It's telling. Yeah, it is. So then, it is telling. And um, I mean, I will also just say that I've never really, I've never really had any moments where I felt like I needed to find um, support networks. Well, that's um, good then. Yeah, it is. I, I've been lucky. And I mean, I also like, you know, now I work, point four so four shifts a fortnight in the needy and then the rest of my time so another five shifts a fortnight in a in an office in a very different kind of environment to where the ed is so i've got a pretty good balance and i think yeah that helps me a lot to keep to keep sort of you know um on the straight and narrow if you like yeah. i do definitely see a lot of burnout so clinician burnout is is something that is not only well documented in literature but also really obvious when you start spending a little bit of time in in an emergency department you see it every day um and i i agree that i think if i like i'm pretty aware of these kinds of initiatives and i think the fact that i'm sort of struggling to to think of any practical um um examples is is pretty telling yeah because i think also yes you said you're lucky that you haven't needed these um I guess, reactive services yet. But it might even be that the fact that the there are some things in your workplace, I mean, you said you've got a really good team, you said you've got a pretty good culture. There mm. may be those elements that actually have a protective Definitely. factor. So even though there might not be posters on the wall that go, hey, do yoga on a Friday, because um, that's my, I, I don't know why, I always have yoga on a Friday in my head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Look, I think social, you know, uh, social, would you say it's called social agency? You know, there, there's a lot of social agency at, at where I work. Um, people are generally happy to be there. There's a lot of, um, you know, just even social initiatives, people really social um, workplace, people have each other's backs. They've, they know that they can talk to one another if there's a problem. There's a really strong team, you know, um, uh, makeup around the place, and I think that really does help to to um, you know um, mitigate some of these sort of factors that that contribute to sort of burnout. Yeah, but it, but, at, but at the same time, you do, you, you're aware, I'm aware of it. There's, I mean, it happens. You know, people that work full time that are constantly on night shifts and you know going in between, they're, they're pretty. They're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. So what do you think the pushback is? Because you said it's kind of a taboo topic and there's a little bit of pushback. What do you think that is in terms of the mental health discussion? What is it that I guess people are afraid of when it comes to think, mental health? I mean, I'm going to say again, I'm not, you know, I don't think I've got a um, a particularly uh, strong stance on this topic and I don't think I'm like a, you know, an expert in the field, but I do, I do think I, you know, from, uh, if I'm to say what my personal feeling is, it's just people, people generally, you know, you want to come across like you're uh, looking after it, like you, you, it's, there's probably a bit of a sense of pride. You don't want to come across like you're not keeping up with everyone else. Like, you know, and especially with, with some of the younger nurses that come through there, they're under incredible amounts of pressure, incredible amounts of stress. And, they don't want to come across like there's, there's a weakness. You want to be, you know, you want to show people that you're up to the task and you've, and you've come in and you've, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're able to sort of take on the challenge and yeah, exactly. You put the cape on and, you know, get to work and, and get the job done. And there's a lot of pressure for, uh, for jobs, you know, yeah, from, the, okay. from the graduate 
level you know people people trying to get a really strong foot in the door and trying to get permanent contracts one of them they, there's a lot of pressure for making sure that they come across like they're they're capable and they can sort of you know they can um they can do the job well um and i do think that that in my experience i've noticed that that does definitely contribute to people putting on a bit of a, a stoic hat um which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it i i think it can definitely lead to things getting on top of you a bit and and I guess that's where that, that self-compassion, self-understanding, self-care um, comes in and realising that the more you are honest, compassionate um, and open with yourself, the, the better you can offer um, care to your patients. Is that yeah. right? Uh, it's, I mean, that's 100% true. Um, again, I don't know if, and this goes back to what I was saying before about nurses not being particularly good at looking after themselves. Yeah. I, I think I think that, that I completely agree with what you're saying and I think it's really, really true that the more you sort of, you know, able to look after yourself and be at one with yourself, the better you're going to be able to sort of give yourself to other people. Um, but I, yeah, again, I, I sort of think generally a lot of the time you see people go above and beyond for other people and just not, you know, not give them the self-care that they require and so you know you can see people get quite burnt out in that way as well absolutely i mean i know mm. that i'm a mother that's what we do yeah then. yeah exactly um, yeah. <laughs> so if we if we wrap this up let's go pieces of advice jamie what do you want other nurses to know in order to get better patient outcomes to take better care of themselves to get more out of their job to enjoy their job their culture what do you want them to really take away from our chat today hmm. um find i think people need to know how to find a balance yeah i think the best thing to do is find a balance and if you you can do that in many ways um and the beauty of our industry is that you have so many options and you can you can split your time in between two and some people find that that's honestly the the best option is to work less in one place and sort of split your time in between the two um but that's not the only you know that's not the only um decent outcome that comes with that I, 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 it's just i guess it's just know if if you are like know yourself well enough that if you are struggling you know where to go so you can you can you can find you can have a bit of a plan that if you get to the point where you feel like you're struggling you can sort of escalate to um whatever it may be and that was something that i did when i moved into ed was just had a bit of a plan to be mindful um do a bit of reflective practicing so start sort of journaling a little bit if you come home and you've had a you know exhausting day you can sit down and just write out you know the reasons why you're exhausted and, and i find that that helps but also just knowing I always knew that if I got to the point where I felt burnt out, that I would do something about it. And I trusted yeah. myself that I would sort of, you know, um, escalate even just to go and like, cause it is difficult to know where to go. And I think the best thing to do is probably just make sure you've got a decent GP and go and talk to them about what you would do if you had a, you know, if you, if you needed to um, reach out for help and, and just don't be too proud to do that. If you, if you do feel like you, you know, you're struggling a little bit, don't be too proud to, ask for help is I think probably I mean probably the most important take-home message is just oh, absolutely yeah don't don't see it as as a failure if you do feel like you need to sort of reach out to someone oh absolutely because at the end of the day it makes perfect sense that if you are under that much stress for that long and again stress doesn't have to be negative it can be lack of sleep it can yeah. be um overthinking it can be all sorts of things but it would make perfect sense that in that sort of environment from time to time you would need to reflect review um that yeah things might get on top of you that's nothing to be ashamed of or to hide or to push away and like you said if you're aware of it you've got a bit of a plan in place you know that it's normal then yeah absolutely going no 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 my i matter too yeah yeah and exactly yeah. So what, what would be your advice for the, let's say the hospital hierarchy, if in a perfect world, what would you have the hospital hierarchy do to um, 
make things better? What do you want them to know about the nurses? Valuing, I mean, from my perspective, you know, um, valuing the step ahead, the next step, uh, step ahead of the next step. So not just worrying about what happens now and sort of you know, trying to create a culture that actually supports longevity in, in your, you know, in your actual sort of staff cohort. So people wanting to stay around, that's a massive part of it. And yeah, I guess creating a culture where um, asking for help is not uh, looked down on, I guess. It's tricky to say, but I guess, yeah, I think um, investing in the culture of the workplace is, I think, something that's in, you know, in my workplace at the moment, I think they do it really well, but in other workplaces that I've worked, that I've worked out and that I've been a part of, they're, they're more worried about what's happening right now than thinking about how to best develop their sort of, you know, workforce for yeah. the future and, and giving people the skills to be able to sort of, you know, stick it out and stick around and, and to um, giving them the support to be able to do that. And I guess that comes down to what you said before, is that transparency in what they're doing, that empathy and of empathy for the nurses and the role they have, the valuing of the nurses and the role they have, but also building those relationships. So mm. valuing people as people first and nurses almost second are going, no, 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 we want you to be here. We want you to be happy. We know that that has... Um, return for the patients we know that has returned for the hospital we know that has an impact so valuing I guess people as people first which shouldn't sound as revolutionary as it kind of does at the moment yeah it's very true hey and what is it that you would want the public to know yeah I mean I guess simply uh, empathy kind of works both ways um, and if you're walking into an emergency department and you're not prepared to give empathy to the people that are looking after you, then I can't imagine that you're going to have a great deal of empathy given back to you, um, which is, I mean, you know, I think that's probably a decent policy if you're going to go and access emergency services. Um, I mean, I think generally people, like I do feel like, emergency service personnel are generally pretty well respected by the general population. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I think that there's always black sheep and there's always people that just don't, you know, that aren't prepared to look at it from another angle or another person's angle. But even, even those people, a lot of the time, you know, they're not doing it because they're um, just nasty people. They're doing it probably because they've got a pretty good reason to, or, you know, they're going through their own thing that's, that's uh, challenging to deal with so it's I don't know it's a two-sided source but I would say you know be prepared to give out empathy in order to receive it is probably um, something that you'd definitely like to make people aware of yeah absolutely absolutely and that makes that makes perfect sense as well because and I think we're trying to get that message out there a lot wider than sort of nursing is that, I mean, whether it's paramedics or police or um, teachers, it's pe everybody you meet has a story. They all have a stress. They all have a struggle. So for us to be less judgmental, more empathetic, more understanding, come out of our bubble a little bit more to go, hang on, you're not the centre of the universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like you said, empathy is definitely a two-way street people are always going through something and even if it's that something is a busy emergency department that makes perfect sense that that would um, impact on that relationship no matter how fleeting that relationship may be yeah. um does that make does that makes total sense yeah it's, it's true definitely and i'm sure it's the same across the board for yeah, and I imagine it's very much the same in the paramedicine um, sphere of things. It's, you know, you've got people that have given their, you know, professional lives to to getting to the position where they're able to actually, you know, have a large degree of impact onto whether you're 
you know, going to do well or not. And, and really, you know, those people deserve um, as much respect as you would, um, you know, be expecting in return. So Absolutely. Because, I mean, ultimately, you're, you're interacting with people who have chosen as a profession to deal with life and death and death and high stress situations on a daily basis. Like to me, that is massive. That is massive. Um, And I would like to think that those people, you people, nurses, doctors, Mm. paramedics, you are all at your absolute best and you're at your absolute most supported to give me better care when it comes so i want you guys to be healthy and happy and balanced and you've all got lives outside the hospital and you've all got joys and interests and you love being there and you love your team and you are supported by a hospital that understands that for me as general public and my kid as general public to get the best possible care that i deserve i need all of you to love what you're doing i need all of you to feel empowered and supported and mentally healthy because I don't want to take my child to a workplace where everybody is stressed and burnt out and hates what they're doing. (laughs) Um, That's not who I want to trust with my child's um, life, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So my goal for today is to go, no, 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 let's make... (laughs) hospitals these lovely happy, healthy utopian places um yeah. <laughs> do that for me james just in case no I need, just in case i need you um thank you so much for today that was great i'm going to um i'm going to take i think there's some great learnings in there not only for how we interact with nurses i think for how sustainable Academically, there might be some opportunities for improvement and for opening yeah. of minds and opening of hearts. Um, but also, yeah, as the, as the public to go, you know what, everybody's going through some stuff and empathy is a two-way street. And I really, I really appreciate your time today, James. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Leanne. Wow, what an interesting discussion. Thank you so much, James. Um, My heart goes out to everybody working out there at the moment in the medical profession um, and all the other professions who are affected by this as well. Thank you so much for keeping us safe and thank you so much for all of your efforts and putting yourselves on the line to keep the community safe um, while we're here working from home. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today at Listening at the Orange Door. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks, we've got coming up a barber, we've got a soldier and a vet and a tattoo artist coming up. So again, thank you so much for joining me. Everybody stay safe, stay well. My name's Leanne Butterworth and that was Listening at the Orange Door.